Welcome, this is Sananda. Let's begin with fear. I think it would be helpful to say something about what fear is. Fear isn't really one thing, it's lots of things. First of all, it, it's the unknown. And that could be quite useful as we consider what's happening in the world at the moment. In other words, what I'm suggesting is a lot of the fear that these two questioners have mentioned and is on the minds of many, of course, is really a sense that things are changing and that you don't quite know how all the changes are going to pan out. Now, we'll come back to that, but let's just talk a little bit more about what fear is. It's a very good, a very useful definition of fear, as it's a place within you that is not yet experiencing as much love as it could. In other words, it's something within you that is asking for love. So it's the unknown, it's something that wants to be loved. At another level, at the physical level, fear is a physical state. Interestingly, if you notice how your life is, if you notice the experiences you've had in times when you've been frightened, what you'll probably notice if you examine the memory is that at the time of maximum danger, you weren't frightened. You may have been very alert, but probably most times you'll find that the fear came after or before the time of greatest danger. So there may have been a sense of impending danger, that unknown I was talking about, and all sorts of fear responses within the body. And then after the time of danger, probably, again, all sorts of fear responses. So although it can seem as though fear is associated with peril, from your body's point of view, actually, it's much more associated with processing peril, preparing for peril, or dealing with peril afterwards, dealing with what happened, integrating that experience. So here too, your body has some useful things to communicate to you, more about what fear is. And when you consider the fear that both questioners mention, fear floating around in the world, it's, I'm suggesting, not really about the events themselves that are happening in the world, but it's more about that sense of trepidation, fear of what might be coming, but also, and this is very important, that sense of the potential for fearful events that many of you are experiencing is actually giving you an opportunity 
to release fear from within your own being. Specifically, it's giving you the opportunity to revisit, to process old experiences of peril that possibly you never had an opportunity to process before or that you didn't completely process. So consider this. As you know, you live in a world of movement. Your planet spins and it moves around the sun. The sun is moving in a great, beautiful sweep along with the rest of the stars of the galaxy. All around the circle that the spinning galaxy makes and that galaxy is on the move as well. Your galaxy, the Andromeda galaxy, are drawing closer in every second and, and so on. Everything moving into in relationship to everything else. Very beautiful. What that means is that all the while, you on planet Earth are moving through fresh volumes of space. So that although it might seem as if in your orbit round the sun you're just going round in a circle again and again and again, because everything else is moving, as you move around the sun in that repeating orbit, you're actually also moving through fresh volumes of space, places where the earth, the sun, have not been before. Or, if they've been there before, a very, very long time ago, when that space was in a different state. So you're encountering all the time new volumes of space. Now, this comes back to the question about environment. There's more to say about environment. But let's begin with this. To say that you, on planet Earth, find yourselves in a fresh environment, the whole planet in a fresh environment at every moment. It's fresh to you, but it's been, so to speak, used before. Others have been in this space that your planet is currently passing through before. So if we take a very broad picture of what's happening, what we can say is that the Earth has been in volumes of space for thousands of years that have held a resonance or an echo of ancient trauma. Difficult experiences happened in these spaces the planet has been passing through and you with the planet. In other words, the physical space that the Earth and our solar system, the galaxy itself, have been passing through hold frequency patterns of trauma. And now, in the recent past, Earth, the solar system, the galaxy is beginning to move beyond those volumes of space that held trauma. 
So in a certain way, you could say that you as humanity are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. You've been living in spaces that were still trembling, if you like, with the memory of fearful events, and you yourselves picked up on that, became part of your energy field as humanity. It led you to experience more intensely than before a sense of separation. And with that sense of separation comes the fear, the consideration that the other is the enemy. So you find yourselves not entirely, not at every level of your being, not through and through, like something written through a stick of rock, you know. You're not sticks of rock with fear written through. You experience fear, but you are not intrinsically fearful beings. So, whilst you were in those states of resonating with the vibration of past trauma, and that wasn't your trauma, it was there, you picked up on it, Whilst you're in that state, it was difficult for you to process it. What you're finding now is that you're emerging from those states, and something within you knows this. For many of you, it's quite a conscious awareness. For others, subconscious. For humanity as a whole, it's a kind of awakening to an awareness that you have left behind these vibrational fields of past trauma. And that therefore it has become safe for you to feel the fear. So in the time of peril, going through a kind of nightmare environment of others' fears, in that time of peril, not safe, didn't feel safe to be processing that set of frequencies, the frequencies of the fears of others, and perhaps your own past fears too, but the fears of others, let's leave it at that for now. Now, emerging from that, those fears feel safe to make themselves felt by you. As beings, the way in which you're currently operating is to create environments, experiences, states of consciousness that are outward manifestations of your inner being, all that you're experiencing within. Consequently, collectively, you are doing some very interesting things at the moment. You are creating a whole range of potentially fearful outcomes, sources of fear, potential for disaster. In doing so, you give yourself permission, you're bringing into conscious awareness these old states of fear. You're giving yourself permission to heal, actually. What you're doing is letting 
those frequency patterns of fear that you've carried forward collectively through space and through time to manifest outwardly for most of you in truth the way that you're letting them manifest outwardly is at a distance as a threat to something that might happen rather than a direct lived experience of something that is truly frightening truly terrifying for you it's not true for everyone on the planet there are some on the planet who are indeed going through horrible experiences right now but for most of you it's really about what might happen rather than what is happening this is not to uh, belittle the experiences of those who are having really frightening experiences but I say for most of you it's really about what might happen now that is actually a very good way of healing those fears within you have powerful imaginations and so that setting up situations in the world around you political situations environmental situations that allow you to imagine things getting a whole lot worse than they actually are is a very good way first of all of helping you to recognize your own fears to know what they are secondly to bring love to those parts of you that are feeling the fear if you're not noticing the fear you can't bring love to it if you're noticing the fear you can bring love to it so that in this way you are all potentially like wise and loving parents whose children are frightened you're both the parent and the child so you're giving yourself the opportunity to let the fearful child within come to you and say I'm really worried about this I'm worried about the environment I'm worried about the political situation I'm worried about the potential for economic disaster and so on and you as the wise and loving parent have the ability to turn to that part of you and to give it the kind of reassurance that you would give to a child not in a foolish sort of way saying there there you're just imagining it it might be an appropriate thing to say to a, a real child sometimes not always but sometimes it might be but for the inner child no that's not so helpful it needs a little bit more than that yes it's true that the child within is imagining the dreadful future because the future isn't here yet it is imaginary but this frightened part of you can recognize the potential for the bad things happening environmental failure economic failure political failure whatever it might be it sees in the present that potential so that to reassure to say that it is imaginary yes that can be part of the answer but it's not the whole answer for it is also you drawing yourself you, you drawing your attention to the beginnings of 
things taking a direction that you feel is inappropriate. So you're also giving yourself the opportunity to take action, to be active in the world. Now there are many, many, many ways of being active. For some of you, campaigning for the environment, for example, is exactly the right thing. For others, no, there are other ways of helping the world. One of the most effective and helpful precursors to being active in the world for all of you is to recognize what you love to do. Don't force yourself to do things that you think you ought to, but don't actually love doing. It won't help. You will understand from what I've been saying that from our point of view, action within can be every bit as valuable as action outwardly. The work you do to heal your own fears really makes a difference in the world. For the fears that you are all experiencing, all creating, are collective fears. They don't belong to one person. You're creating them together. And as you heal your individual sense of fear, so you transform the world. The time comes when all of you have healed your own individual fears to such an extent that there is really no longer any need for those souls who volunteered to be the figures that you fear or hate or despise. If you pause for a moment and think about those public figures in this world whom you find it, shall we say, difficult to love and that you may find there's a part of you that hates or despises or fears. Every one of those is a beautiful soul. A soul that is no less beautiful than your own. They are serving a purpose. The purpose is to act out your fears. When your fears are healed, their purpose is fulfilled. They move on to other things. So what you do within is of great importance, of great significance. That is not to lessen the value of working outwardly as well, where you sense the potential for things going in a direction that you feel is unhelpful. Of course, take action. Feel free to. Now, so far I've been talking in a rather global, large sort of a way. But actually, that second question is, at least in part, very much about the immediate environment, and of course that's really important for all of you too. So here's a question, let's take it in terms of a working environment. Could be a, another kind of domestic environment, but imagine a working environment here. Let's answer the question in those sorts of terms. Imagine yourself, maybe you don't need to imagine this, maybe this is your truth right now. 
Imagine yourself in a, a difficult working environment. The physical surroundings are not ideal as far as you're concerned. And the people you're working with, difficult to get on with, contradictory, overbearing, whatever it might be, you know, something that you're not really enjoying. And yet, it's not quite so simple as walking out the door, at least it doesn't seem to be. You have a contract, you have a job, you need the income, and so on. That's a fairly normal sort of human situation. It's not about planets sailing through space. It's you living your day-to-day life. But, what I would suggest is the kind of things I've been speaking about in terms of the whole of human consciousness, the whole of the planet, all of space, actually it's true for you too. So it goes like this. First of all, that which you find difficult to love in another, you can bet your bottom dollar, you can bet your boots. That person is reflecting to you something about yourself, something that you've not learnt to love in yourself. That's not always comfortable to consider, but it's always going to be true. You don't need, however, to take it too literally. You know? Just because, what should we say, someone uses language that you find objectionable. It doesn't mean that there's literally a part of you that is also using objectionable language. It might do. But you need to look at the essence of what's going on. The objectionable language may be, from your point of view, all about disrespecting the boundaries of other people. So have a look within. Is there a part of you that doesn't respect other people's boundaries? Is there a part of you that doesn't respect your own boundaries? Maybe about your relationship with yourself as much as your relationship with others. Consider that. And even if you can't immediately do anything about the person who's swearing a lot, you can change your relationship with yourself or look at ways in which you may not be respecting the boundaries of others and put your best effort into changing that, respecting your boundaries, respecting the boundaries of other people. It may not bring the immediate changes that you desire, but it will bring bring change of some kind. Even if the situation doesn't change, your relationship to the situation will change. Then something else very important to consider for those of you who experience yourselves very much as being on a spiritual path. You're in an environment in which you're not entirely happy. I've chosen the example of a working environment. Okay. Sometimes spiritual people can feel that if they're not enjoying the environment, they're in, they've really got to stay there and learn to love it. Indeed, what I've been suggesting might imply that. I don't mean it to. It's always good to learn to love the environment you're in, but it doesn't mean that you have to be a martyr. It doesn't mean that you're stuck in a situation that you don't like until you can totally, totally love it. You're entirely entitled you are free to make choices. Everything in this world is moving in relationship to everything else. You're part of that. So that 
staying with this quite practical way of talking about what's going on in the world, about fears, about environment. Give yourself permission to change your job. Maybe you can't do it right now. Maybe it's not practical, maybe this, maybe that. But at least give yourself permission. Yes, learn to accept things as they are. That's really important. What you can't accept, you can't change. At the same time, don't turn yourself into a martyr. Watch out for that. Look within. This is a great time that you're all living in for letting the martyrs go to sleep. I don't mean to become dormant, to re-emerge at another time, but your inner martyr is really, really tired. And she or he, actually more than anything else, wants the sleep that brings oblivion, a forgetfulness. I mean this in quite a deep sense. I would suggest that every one of you still has within, still strong or still weak, but still there, a martyr. It's a beautiful part of you. It's not a bad part of you, but it's not helping you anymore. Every one of you has been led by your inner martyr to do noble things. But it's not the way now. You do not need to suffer in order to grow. You may find that you're suffering, and if you are suffering, then do your best to leave the suffering behind. But if you can't, you can't. It's okay. Love yourself. Love the part that suffers. But let go of any residual sense that suffering is necessary for your growth, that there is a special virtue in suffering. If your suffering make the best of it, of course. You know, if you've broken your leg, it hurts, and it's going to take its own time to heal. And while it's healing, at the very least, it's going to be a bit of a nuisance for you. So there's some suffering. And you can't get around it right now. You don't have a magic wand that can mend a broken leg in half a second. You have to let your body process that as best it can in its own time. So accept all of that. And if there is something that having a broken leg can teach you, then learn it. That's great. But don't get into the situation of thinking that having the broken leg is a necessary thing for your betterment. It isn't. Now, there we're just touching very peripherally on karma. But we'll leave karma for another time. Indeed, there's a whole lot more to say about relationship with environment. That'll have to wait for another time too, as we've come to the end of our half hour. So although those answers are incomplete, they are, I trust, partial and have some use for you. So for now I'm going to say, go well with much, much love. Thank you for listening. <laughs>